What's up, guys? We're back with another episode of Unhinged, and you guessed it. It is, well, actually, you're like, nobody guessed it, <laughs> but it is another solo episode. I, I'm calling the new care, parent, blah, 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 blah. I'm pulling the new parent card, and um, I have so many amazing guests coming up in the next few weeks, but also there was just like a lot that I wanted to share with you guys, and I did not want to waste somebody's time, like a wonderful guest's time while I had a nervous breakdown about breastfeeding and um, lactation. <laughs> so I wanted to get part two out of the way from me to you of what's been going on in my life. And then we can get back to, you know, the good old days of like me speaking for 10% of the episode and having interesting stories again. I'm sure my wonderful podcast editor Gus is like not this shit again I don't want to hear about her breast milk um swear to god juicier stories are coming back (laughs) but yeah that's really all I've been up to is I've been in the vicious cycle of breastfeeding which has been god it's been a really interesting ride because it's one of those things where you think that it would be like an innate instinct or something that just comes naturally. But for me, it has not. And I mean, I think for most people it doesn't. And it's just one of those things nobody talks about. But it's been a painful journey of researching, trying to figure out like why things haven't been working out. And like in my case with Frankie, we haven't really been able to get her latch correct or like get her in the right position where she could eat enough and because we were monitoring her weight we ended up also supplementing um with formula and you know the the cycle just continued where I would have to pump for those of you who are like are unfamiliar if you want to do like a combo if you want to breastfeed and like continuing to be able to breastfeed your body needs to regulate the milk so then you have to like keep pumping which is the most depressing activity like you're hooked up to this machine and it's you know like essentially pumping you out of milk pumping milk out of you and you feel like you're in some Margaret Atwood dystopian novel where women are only um, functional to society for like utilitarian needs and that's my breastfeeding rant over um I'm extremely grateful to be able to provide the nutrition my daughter needs. So however she gets it is fine with me. But um, I did have a session with a lactation consultant today who is amazing. She's this iconic and incredible woman who Zooms from the Caribbean. I'm not even joking. She has like Miss Cleopatra vibes, but in a very informed way she was like looking at everything on zoom and picked up on everything straight away it's kind of crazy that she can do it over a video call after the session john was like she's definitely looked at a lot of breasts because she just knew what was up you know imagine like the amount of tits she's looked at but yeah so that happened and then i was thinking about the fact that you know how, how did our parents do it without any of these resources or our parents' parents because I have Google and then I have 
every Reddit forum that I'm subscribed to, I'm part of, I'm still part of Baby Bumps, which is the pregnancy one that I probably have to leave now. But I'm a part of Baby Bumps. I'm a part of New Parents. I'm a part of, uh, there's one that's like, oh, exclusive pumping. That's just for women who are pumping breast milk. And then I'm obviously trolling Google. And then, you know, you have all these specialist appointments with a lactation consultant, with a doula, with an OB. And I was talking to John's mom and she was like, we went to one ultrasound while I was pregnant with John. And I just don't know how everyone else figured it out before because I feel like I know nothing. And it it, it was that, that was like the main feeling when we took Frankie home from the hospital was one, I can't believe we get to leave with a baby. Who allowed this? And two, I just don't know anything. How am I supposed to raise this child? And how am I supposed to be the one responsible for all of her fundamental growing needs and just everything else for the rest of her life? But it is I and him. So we just, you know, figuring it out one step at a time. I also have a new respect for working mothers and parents because I don't know how people do both of these things, but this shit is hard, man. I have not been able to really get anything done. And I also think that's because we're in the two hour cycle of feeding, which my new mantra in life, by the way, is every day she is one day older and it gets one step easier, which I don't know if that's even right because it probably gets harder as she gets older. Right now she's a baby. She can't even talk back. But I think it's more so the fact that the older she gets, the more she's going to sleep and the more sleep we're going to have. That's mentally where I'm at right now. In other news, a lot of stuff has been happening in the world actually this week. What happened? Oh, the internet was convinced that Law Roach was retiring over a second row seat. I mean, joke was on us slash Twitter and TikTok. But it really is funny how, you know, you get one part of a narrative or one little video or tweet and everybody will assume that that is gospel on God's green earth when I think it was really smart that he did that video and editorial feature with the cut where he kind of owns the narrative on you know what the fashion industry experience has been like for him and looking back on his life and looking back at how he allocated his time with you know family and loved ones and he talks about losing a I think I believe it was a a three-year-old nephew that he didn't spend a lot of time with. And that really, man, that reading that interview was very cathartic for me. It was affirming in so many ways. It actually perfectly summed up how I felt when I left New York and moved to LA because it put into perspective all the time I had spent thinking the things that mattered didn't thinking the things that were important but really weren't, if that makes sense. And hearing his perspective on how 
you know, as an outsider in the industry, he had to work so much harder than everybody and doors weren't, you know, never opened until his, you know, peers and people of his kind opened those doors for him. It was affirming and it was, you know, so nice in a way to see that similar struggle that so many of us feel be put into words by someone who's essentially the biggest stylist in the world, right? If he's saying that, can you imagine the fuckery that it's happening with everybody else on a lower level in the industry? So I think it was, you know, and the other thing is it is really tricky to call out these big fashion houses for him to like go on the record and say, I have an issue with, I believe it was Dior, but I can't remember who exactly it was, but it was like one of the big fashion houses where he didn't get collaborative credit on designing some awards using gown. It is a really big deal to speak out against people like that, especially when you want to continue having a career in that industry. And I got to say respect because not a lot of people do that. And not a lot of people have the agency or the balls to stand up and criticize a large conglomerate when your career is at stake. So I got to say that was, if you haven't read that, you should definitely read that interview with Lindsay Peoples on the cut because it gave a lot of context into just the industry in general and, you know, how something can be totally misconstrued. But, um, oh, another major iconic and amazing thing that happened. It was my 35th birthday and it was amazing because people kept asking me what I was doing for my birthday. I'm like, girl, nothing. What I did for my birthday was my two best friends came over with Cheesecake Factory and Wetzel's Pretzels. <laughs> and uh, they picked up delivery from the Cheesecake Factory, which I did not know you could do. Well, I think it was my third time eating the Cheesecake Factory. I am a big fan. Even takeout. It's still really good. I had the spicy chicken palm sandwich. And then what else was there? There were like a bunch of other pastas and two, and cheesecakes. But yeah, they came over. We ate in the bedroom that we haven't really left yet. I now, even though I live in a house, feel like I live in a studio. It kind of reminded me of being back in New York. Because I haven't like left the bedroom that's connected to Frankie's nursery. And it feels like we're back in our New York apartment, which was essentially a railroad apartment that all connected. That was open floor plan that we lived in before we gave that place up to fully be in LA. Speaking of New York, I did have a nervous breakdown one day last week, don't know which day because all the days have meshed into one, where I made John promise that we would move back to New York and I have it on video. He shook my hand and we made a deal. We always do this thing where we make deals in our relationship. We used to go on walks and we'd walk past a really nice house and say, oh yeah, I want a herb garden deal. And we would just kind of always like make these funny little deals. Sometimes it'd be serious deals and sometimes it'd just be dumbass deals. But this was a real, this was a really serious deal. 
And I just said to him, I want to move back to New York and happy for us to have a place in LA, but I want to be based back in New York again. And while LA was fun for the pandemic, I don't think that it's our forever plan. And he agreed, thank God, because that was not a battle I was about to fight in addition to new parenting. Um, And we agreed to see out this lease probably until the end of the year before we switch bases again. And yeah, it was essentially, (laughs) it was kind of an ultimatum because we had our two friends, Karina and Kareem here. And when I said it, they kind of looked at me and were confused. And then they looked at John and they said, was this something you guys had discussed before? And he's like, no, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. So essentially it was an ambush. Um, It was an ambush in a pleasant way because I definitely think he was on the same page. And look, he moved here to be with me and I was in LA first. He left New York. You know, we both did 10 years there. And ultimately, when you have a baby, so many things change, man. I used to get on a flight once a week to go for one job and come back. And so would he. He still does that, actually. I do that less now with pregnancy and having baby. Um, In the last trimester, I definitely mellowed out on that. One, because I couldn't fit on a flight seat anymore. And two, it just the swelling was um, unbearable. Because you're so swollen as a pregnant person. And then, you know, you get swollen from flying. And the combination of that just made me look like a snowman. (laughs) And so I chilled out on the incessant flying for 24 to 48 hours. But I realized that all of our work is in New York and we would go to the city for these jobs. And then we'd come back to LA because quality of life is just so much better here. But that's not something that's sustainable with a baby. And neither of us should you know, miss out on the early formative days of Frankie's life because we're going back and forth to New York for a job. And it's not like we're in the position where we can just keep saying no to work in the way we've been doing right now. And for, you know, maybe another few weeks, just so we can get our nesting done with her. And we'll have to find some semblance of balance where we have more of a integrated baby work life play schedule as opposed to 24-7 Frankie, which is what it is now and, you know, what it should be with a newborn and exactly how I expected it to be. But it did make it did make me and him in turn assess how we spent our time. <laughs> what a full, beautiful circle to come back on because that's exactly what the Law Roach article was really about was, you know, how we spend our time and how we allocate X amount of hours in a day to and why we do it. So that's the tea on moving back to New York. It's not something that's happening tomorrow, but it is something that's in the works, which made me feel really relieved once it was out in the open. And I think for so for a significant amount of time being here, as much as I really love being on the West Coast and the qualities 
being on the West Coast brought out in me and brought out in life. I don't feel as though intrinsically I'm someone who's an LA type of person. And all the things that people, you know, criticize New York for, I always could find redemption in, right? When people are complaining about the space or the weather, I think the cultural, you know, the cultural sort of like comeback or benefits to being in the city far outweigh nice weather and space. Trying to be politically correct here. <laughs> so, psych, I've never been politically correct a day in my life, but um, I'm trying not to be a hater now that I've decided to move back, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Because I still live here and I'm going to live here for a while and I'm not ever going to be totally done with LA. But I definitely realize that in my postpartum haze of not sleeping for now three weeks ongoing, that I'm happiest in the city and that's where I want to be. And also, I think that's where we both want to raise Frankie and had always kind of envisioned raising her because the game plan was when she was old enough to form memories to bring her back to the city. And I think we're just doing it a little earlier than we expected to. So that is where we're at with New York. Let's take a little moment for a quick ad break. Okay, guys, so we've all been stuck in that workout class where the music is just not hitting. And as a DJ, it is my civic duty to put you guys onto fabulous workouts with great music. So I love to break the news that Y7 Studio have just launched the new digital at-home platform in an exclusive partnership with Universal Music Group. And you know what that means. We can say goodbye to royalty-free loops on repeat. Thank God for that. With the best workouts set to all of our favorite songs, you can find this new offering at y7-studio.com. Unhinged customers get 25% off your first three months of this new monthly digital subscription. You can use the word unhinged, one word, at their website. The link is also in our episode bio down below. $15 a month, guys. That's the cost of too much lattes these days. It's a steal. Fabulous teachers, hundreds of new classes added each month. What the bloody hell are you waiting for? Okay, we're back. Shout out to our sexy sponsors for letting us live our best life and make a tiny bit of moolah while doing this episode, but not much, really. Not, not much at all. And um, while I'm on that note, feel free to leave us a loving review if you feel inclined to do so because we do this for free and well Gus doesn't do it for free I pay him so I essentially do this for free um so it's mucho appreciated more things that happened this week Gwyneth Paltrow my beloved muse my sorority sister my internet queen died this week, RIP. She went on the record to share her diet. She said she, <laughs> she essentially said that all she consumes in a day is bone broth and vegetables and we murdered her online. So may she, may her sweet soul rest in peace. But seriously, it's so surprising to me that anyone in this day and age 
who has that type of opinion would come online and share it. Like, sis, you knew exactly how that was going to go down. Or could can someone really be so out of touch that she thought... Because even if that's your diet, which, by the way, respect to you, I just ate an ice cream cookie sandwich. Um, even if that is your diet, you must know that that's unsustainable and unrealistic to the majority of everybody else and like that's something better not shared because you know when you have some some type of situation that's better than the average person you don't put it online and gloat or you don't like for example with okay so for example I'm doing exactly the opposite thing I said not to do but for example with mine it's my relationship I feel like I'd never fight with John. Like, we just don't fight. We might have had one fight ever since, like, dating and being married. And it's not something I bring up often because I know most people fight, right? That's, like, normal. In every other relationship, I've bickered and fought. And I do think that you learn a lot from fighting with someone that brings you closer together. And it, you know, gives you an opportunity to because you're never going to see eye to eye with someone on every single thing. But for some reason, our dynamic is just we're not fighters. But it's not something I would bring up to in a room full of couples because most people fight. And with Gwyneth, it's like, girl, most people cannot have a diet like that. So even if you do, even if you only eat bone broth and vegetables, you should just not tell anybody that because you look amazing. You feel great. But that's not information that everybody needed to know, right? But I do have to say that I miss good old days Gwyneth when she would, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was like 2012, maybe 2011. She does this interview and it's funny, she does these like polarizing little diet and health interviews where she'll say something outrageous and then disappear for a decade and then come back again. I think it might was almost exactly 10 years ago. She does this interview and she says, um, you know, I like to find the balance between cigarettes and tofu and I have one cigarette a week. I'm pretty sure it was an American spirit, which by the way is the worst cigarette to smoke. Rookie mistake. And as someone who loves to have a cigarette and loves smoking, which longest time I've gone without a cigarette as of currently, I respected that. But, you know, she'll say these like really wild things and then just disappear on my girly. I miss that Gwyneth though. And the other funny thing about her just essentially not eating at all is, I don't know if you guys have eaten at Goop Kitchen, but it's somewhere that I postmate from a lot. The food is amazing. There are a ton of different Goop Kitchens with incredible food that apparently are Gwyneth inspired recipe. So the girl is cooking and the girl is eating. She just hasn't gone on the record to talk about it for some reason. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know why she does what she does, but hey, listen, she's built an empire off it. So who am I to judge? I, I do want to touch on, you know, it's funny turning 35 last week. There are so many things I've learned in my early 30s. But one of the things I think a big, big takeaway, something that I wish I did more and I realize 
that I've learned from my 20s and my early 30s is that you are so much harder than you think you are. You can put that on a t-shirt. That's, you know, my my big lesson. <laughs> my big my big lesson that I learned at 35. Um but yeah, in my postpartum haze of body dysmorphia and looking at the mirror at my body and all the changes, I'm like, man, like I think back to the early days of my 20s and you know like even being like 18 and thinking I had so much to change and so much to do and I never felt good enough and I always felt plagued by what the world was telling me I needed to look like and I think back to what I actually looked like and I'm like damn I was fire and I wish I knew that and I wish I appreciated that and I've thought that progressively for every year of my life later in hindsight I looked great at 28, I looked great at 29. And I think all of us are so much harder than we think we are. And I hope that 35 for me is the year that I stop making myself feel bad about the way that I look, which, wow, this podcast took an unexpected turn. (laughs) I know you guys are all screaming, no more solos. We can't hear you. Namaste, Oprah, bitch, anymore. But um, for real, though, and even now I've been like beating myself up because I look in the mirror and you know my postpartum body is just not how I thought it was going to be right like I thought I'd have the baby and then I'd have a flat stomach again I mean I honestly was delusional enough to think that I would pop out this kid and I would go back to how I used to look like and that you know hasn't necessarily been the case and it's also killing me that I'm essentially having to refrain from any type of physical activity because of the unexpected C-section. And I'm trying to tell myself that a lot of these unrealistic expectations are ones from nobody else but myself. But that's not really true, though, because, you know, we see like the People magazine and the Daily Mail and the bounce back, the you know, that I got my my body back articles and it's hard not to compare yourself to that right it's hard not to have that expectation and I'm doing it with myself now and I'm trying to use my better judgment and my hopefully some growth that's come with turning another year older that I've always taken issue with you know little things about my body and how I've looked and in hindsight, none of those things have mattered. And actually, the way I look is, you know, probably the least interesting thing about me. And something that I try to do often is gratitude journal, but I don't have the time to keep that up as consistently as I would like to. So my lazy version of gratitude journaling is having a list of just three things I'm grateful for that day. If I don't have time to write it down, I'll just put it in the notes of my phone because I do feel like putting something down just psychologically is more effective even if I'm typing it into a shitty notes app. And, you know, I haven't really been keeping up that practice since becoming a parent. So I was doing a lot of reflecting when I had my birthday on, you know, what I was grateful for and things I've learned and that lesson and that growth and that grace is definitely something I'm grateful for. Whether I take that into my life practice and remember it 
and and you know like hold myself to that those set of expectations who knows but I'm putting it out into the universe that hopefully I will and also you know becoming a parent it kind of it makes you think about what type of parent you want to be and then what type of legacy you want to live and all the things you've done that you want to be remembered for by and and you know for me that's I want to be remembered or I want to leave a lasting impact as a good mother and a you know a great wife and a loving daughter and you know someone who likes to give back and is an animal lover and blah 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 but the one thing that's not on that list is being skinny would I like to be skinny of course I'd love to be skinny um but it's not the thing that I want to it's it's not that important in the grand grand scheme of things and that's kind of like the clusterfuck that's been going on in my head the last few days so I really appreciate you guys hearing my open session therapy plan right now of of body dysmorphia but um yeah it's challenging man it's 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 challenging to I ha- I heard a lot of like you know after you have the baby every single person is like are you experiencing postpartum depression um you know have you had thoughts about hurting yourself or your baby and that's like the question you get asked with everything you do after having a baby it's like every single like follow up and check up and practitioner you go see and it, you know it's a question that they just ask you constantly over and over again at the hospital when you leave and you go back for follow up and I actually was you know talking to John about it and I was like I get it now man like I actually get why people like I want to blow my brains out like it can be extremely depressing and confusing to not sleep, feel alone in parenting, which thank God I don't have. Um, look in the mirror and just not recognize yourself. And that's why I think it's so important. And also, you know, the example I want to set for Frankie that we aren't our physical qualities, but we're also hotter than who we than we think we are. <laughs> but no, we really aren't our physical qualities and all the kind of like level of pressure expectation that we like put on them and I it's like a constant conversation that I need to have with myself every single day now every time I get out of the shower and I look at my c-section scar on my the fact that like you know my my like tits are not as perky as they used to be now that I'm breastfeeding or I still have like a little bit of a pooch and like stomach pooch the Indian girl stomach pooch combined with postpartum stomach pooch is basically looking like you're still pregnant (laughs) I was joking with John because Frankie is three months three weeks early so I definitely did not get as much content as I wanted to I didn't even get to do a pregnancy shoot you know like the standard naked editorial one that most mums do right at the end when their bump's really big so I didn't get to do that one and we were joking around and he was like, you could probably do it now, alluding to the fact that I still look pregnant. And I took it with a grain of salt because I do still kind of look pregnant. I could probably do it now and get away with it. But it was funny um, that that's something that you do not know until you have a baby. 
is that you look pregnant for a while after and the people who don't god bless i would love to be you but i'm not you and oh (laughs) i was about to sign off but something else did happen this week that i do want to talk about which was Diplo giving an interview on, I think it was Emily Ratajkowski's podcast, which by the way, Emily, if you're listening to this, please come on my show. I did meet her at the Cayman Islands and she was amazing and lovely. So maybe I will shoot her a request, slide in her DMs and ask. Um, I didn't listen to this episode of her podcast, but apparently he says, um, he basically said he had a blowjob from a guy and, but he's not gay. But he's not not attracted to men. So he doesn't know what that makes him. Which I in twofold one. I'm like, okay, Carrie Styles queer baiting. I see what you're doing. But two, I think is amazing that he shared because if more straight white cis men were open about their feelings, because really nobody's gay or straight. Everybody's on the spectrum. We would live in in a way more tolerant world. And so I think for someone like that, with that level of influence and impact on pop culture to say that is incredible because, you know, that's like the type of world I want to live in where it should be okay to share a sentiment like that. But, you know, the way that it, resonated with so many people and made such an impact on media just goes to show it we still aren't there yet and um I did think it was I thought it was kind of amazing that he said that as much as I do question if there was some type of like ulterior motive or agenda there because maybe (laughs) maybe he was looking at Bad Bunny and Harry Styles and was like you know what I do want to get in on this particular audience but I think he had that audience anyway so he didn't necessarily had to do that I'm like aggressively check checking the nana as I'm recording this to see what Frankie's doing it is a psycho's dream come true essentially having access to watching my baby sleep while I do anything else I wish I could have this on John who's at home depot right now to see all the stuff he's buying that he shouldn't be so I can say put that back on the shelf I need a baby nana and a husband nana, but I think I would lose my mind if I had a husband nana. So um, some things are best left unseen and unsaid. Um, so the baby nana will do for now. But yeah, it. I am, I'm anxiously watching the baby monitor as I record this in the other room. No cries on, on this week's audio episode. I think last week there were a few cries in the background, which is... <laughs> Some true, I just had a baby shit. Um, Yeah, that is, I think, all for me for this week. And I promise you that next week we'll have a spectacular guest. It won't be just me talking about being a parent again. Because, listen, I have a baby. I love my baby. And even I don't want to hear about baby shit 24-7. So I promise that we will be back to regular programming next week. I am not done with doing solo episodes. I will once in a while pop back in and do one again. But for now, I think there are more interesting stories I do want to share. Thank you for bearing with me on a second second solo pod journey. 
until next time ciao for now i love you guys and thank you all for oh thank you all for actually reaching out and sharing your birth stories with me i felt one surprised at how many people had similar birthing situations and it's kind of wild that the induction and preeclampsia and you know just I mean essentially having a uh, you know a delivery that you didn't really remember and didn't feel connected to and felt super out of sorts from was a common theme with so many so many people um mothers and fathers and um I really appreciate, you know, that's such a vulnerable thing to share. And so I so appreciate you guys reaching out and like, likewise sharing your similar experiences. And I'm really glad that it resonated with you. So yeah, that's all for now. I will be back next week with someone else that's not me. But I will be loving and leaving you. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined to. Until next time. Bye-bye.